Hey, this is Travis T-Bone Turner. We're here at the Tour 12 Podcast. Don't give your guide a knife for a tip. He probably has a knife because he's a guide. <laughs> here he comes. That's the kind of stuff. Here he comes. He's coming in hot. Hey, I'm Nick Mont from Bone Collector. You're listening to the Tour 12 Podcast. If you're one of these guys who carried horns around ATA, just leave them at home. Quit being an idiot. <laughs> so B does all of our modeling. He's the look good guy. I'm the Definitely, uh, I don't have a voice for radio. I'm the face for radio. I'm the ugly <laughs> wild here, dude. You guys out there listening, you know, put your kids in front of this podcast. I mean, we're not going to get too crazy. You might want to put them to bed maybe a little bit later on, but <laughs> that's just that's just me talking. But we'll get to arguing over schedules or, or man, you know, something that we where disagree we're gonna on. Eat. Where are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat? Little things, yeah. But at the end of it, we hunt together because and hang together just because we truly, truly enjoy each other's company. Well, it is, it is our job, and we have a platform, and by all means, we're flying the flag as much as we can. We, we need, we want to preach it to the everybody. It's not for the elite. It's not for the rich. It's, it's enjoyment Making for everybody. Making a living doing something you absolutely love, what we call living your passion, you might actually be closer than you realize. It's actually what this whole podcast is built around, living your passion in three areas, business, leadership, and life. I'm Michael Waddell, and you're listening to the Tour 12 Podcast. Hey, hey, what is up? Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Tour 12 Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great summer. I know we are having a busy summer. It's been absolutely insane the last few days. But nevertheless, it is a great summer so far. And I hope you guys are enjoying the summer. It's starting to warm up a little bit. It's starting to actually become summer. And we like it. Food plots are beginning to grow. Finally getting through some of this rain here in Arkansas. A lot of flooding been going on. A lot of sandbagging for a lot of people has been going on. Fortunately for us, we haven't had to deal with that too much. But regardless, the show must go on. So again, welcome to the Tour 12 podcast. We got a good show for you today. I do want to take a minute and give a shout out to our main sponsor for this Tour 12 podcast, Swagger, the bipod with moves. If you haven't already, you guys are going to want to check out everything they've got coming to the market this year. they got some insane cool stuff coming out. And I don't just say that for the sake of um, advertising. I say that because this is some stuff that will change the way you shoot in the field. If you use rifles, guns whatsoever, you're going to love what they have to offer. So check them out, swaggerbipods.com, and I know you'll be glad you did. As always, I want to take a minute and thank every one of you for listening to the podcast. The show would not go on without people like you. Thank you to everyone who has been giving us a review we greatly appreciate it if you haven't had a chance to give us a review i encourage you to go online go on to itunes give us a review leave us a comment let us know how we're doing it's really the only form of advertising that we have to get the word out is through social media and our reviews not to mention i have been subtly undercover sending out two or twelve hats to random people that have given us reviews so if you'd like to be entered in a chance to win a free tour 12 podcast hat right here from the tour 12 podcast all you gotta do is go online give us a review and you could be the next lucky winner we got a good show for you today here in just a minute we're gonna have cleat spooner joining us a good friend of mine from new york joining cody the producer man along with myself and he is someone who has recently dove off into the realm of living his passion all cards on on the table he's went all in and he has been successful to date doing what he is doing and you're gonna get to hear a little bit of that journey and that story and then most importantly you're gonna hear him talk about something you've probably never heard talked about on a podcast cleat spooner was bitten by a black bear on a hunt and survived to tell about it. He's going to be telling that story, and I know you're going to enjoy it. 
as a matter of fact, I'm not even going to waste any more of your time. Let's just jump directly to the conversation with myself, Cody the Producer Man, and my main man, all the way from the state of New York, Mr. Cleed Spooner. Hey, hey, what is up? Welcome to the Tour 12 Podcast. Myself, along with Cody the Producer Man, the new freshly shaved head, Cody the Producer Man, with his beard. You look like a baller over there, dude. <laughs> I am a baller. <laughs> Literally ball. True story. <laughs> True story here. Cody's wife actually likes this look. She does. I. He looks like said, a Billy I, Bad to the Bone type guy. She actually said, I'm so sad that you won't do this for me. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you look like a, like a like a killer producer man over yeah there, literally i gotta get grow my beard real long get some real hippie looking glasses yeah and uh, i'll be in business i'll have a whole new look i think it looks good man i ain't trying to be all gay or nothing <laughs> well, <thanks. laughs> anyway we got a good show for you today we're going to be giving a shout out to a good friend of ours cleed spooner who lives in New York City. New York City. Rochester, New York City. He's a good friend of ours. And uh, Cleed, the reason we're calling Cleed today is because Cleed is an individual who has recently stepped out of um, what was a really nice full-time occupation into running his own show and literally living his passion every single day. And so, Cleed's a good friend of ours. He's been hunting with us on Strut and Buck for several years now, and um, has just been a ton of value to our team from that aspect. Um, but then he is now the owner of Crossroads Media Productions. He does web design, marketing, content creation, a little consulting. And he's really got what set him apart and got him going. He's got kind of a niche market. And, and Cleed does a lot of work with outfitters. Oh, that's cool. And helping grow their outfitting business which is really, really intelligent if you like hunting. Yeah. Because in order to grow their business, they have to have content, right? Right. Somebody's got to go in there and get that content Yeah. and hunt. I know it sounds tough. <laughs> it's a but, tough job. So he might have a better gig than we do. Maybe we should... <laughs> Just go hunt and take pictures. It's kind of funny because we're, we're really good friends. But from a business aspect, most people would look at us and say, you guys are competitors. Yeah. And I guess in some aspect we are, but not really. I mean, we're, we're all get along and, and help each other out. And there's a, what people don't realize is there are so many people out there that need help. Like everybody on our team could run their own business, really. There's enough clientele out there if they wanted to and had the networking ability to get them. There are tons of people that need help when it comes to marketing. But Cleed does have a niche. He's done done really well um, in a short amount of time, but he planned well. And so we're going to kind of dive off into what his journey's been like today. And I'm going to actually text Cleed. I told him I'd text him before we give him a call. I think this is going to be a cool podcast because it's really the premise of what everything Tour 12 was built on is helping people live their passion and business leadership in life. And so to hear Cleed's story is going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Cleed is, um, he's a prime example. You know, like like you just said, Cody, the the idea of this podcast initially was to inspire people to live their passions in those three areas. And a lot of that has to do with figuring out a way to make a living doing something you absolutely love. Right. And it's it's way easier said than done. We know that. And, and I try to be careful of how, how we go about saying it, even because there is a process to it. Mm-hmm. The last thing you want to do is just say, yeah, go chase your dreams. Get out there. <laughs> Boom. And if that's what you do, you're probably going to fail if you yeah. just quit a great job and jump yeah. out there. And yeah. Hit. It's got calculated risk. Yeah, it's calculated cool. risk. We've yeah. talked a lot about that. But we thought it'd be cool today to talk to somebody who is actually um, – 
been down that path and that journey um at least the, i mean really he's done this in the last probably in the last year from the time well since january i met yeah. i met him like i've talked to him before that but january i met him face to face and he was kind of really considering all this out so yeah since january yeah so Cleed's a good dude. We're fixing to give him a call. Are you ready to give him a call, Cody? Oh, I'd put my microphone down. So Hold here's on. what we're going to do. We are headquartered out of Arkansas today. And if you've been around Arkansas, there's a lot of mountains here. And because of that, there is also a lot of bad service from time to time. So we're up in the office right now. And my phone is leaned up against the, let's see, this would be the, what would that be, Cody? The south side of the house? Yeah. He's on my south window in the office, coming in the south window, <laughs> in the south window. <laughs> and uh, it's leaned up against the window, if you can visualize this, because it's the only place in this office I get two bars, and so we're going to try to call Cleed in New York City and see if he'll not only answer, but if we can maintain service well enough. Um, I'm ready. Hit it up, Cody, the producer, man. Oh, there it is. We are ringing in to Mr. Cleed, New York City Spooner. Good morning, gentlemen. What's up, Mr. Cleed Spooner? Oh, you guys get all that all that technical malfunctions figured out well, over there was, or what? I was just telling our listening audience we're headquartered out of Arkansas today and where we're at in the office, there's one spot I get two bars from. And it's with the phone propped up on the south side window seal in the office <laughs> so it's awesome when you run a media company and you can't even get cell service to talk to people about right. media but no i was just telling our crowd man about about a little bit about our relationship and um how we've worked together on the strut and buck side of things for several years now and what a great asset you've been to the team and just really a, a team player all around and at the same time you've uh you run a media business now and you've kind of stepped out from the general occupational world of just what people would consider a, a, a typical career job, which was an awesome job, by the way. And so if you don't care today, just give us a little setup. Give us a little background of what you did for a while and and kind of what this, this journey of living your passion and kind of transitioning into what you do now has been like for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, it dates back a few years. I... Um, I've been, you know, I went to, did the typical, you know, high school, college, um, got a job right out of college and whatnot. And, you know, throughout that time, uh, throughout that time period, I was, um, uh, you know, oh, obviously, you know, we all have a passion for the outdoors and hunting and fishing and everything and, um, kind of picked up filming, um, and had, uh, had a goal of kind of creating a, you know, whether it was local or national or just a DVD series, um, you know, kind of show and established a group of guys around New York. And we did that for a couple of years and, um, yeah, that kind of grew into a national show. And, you know, as most, most guys who work in the TV space, um, will tell you it's not all it's cracked up to be. Um, <laughs> you guys talk about it all the time. Yeah. We're, we're all part of a show. It's not all it's cracked up to be. So, right. um, you know, I kind of, uh, kind of left that. And, uh, you know, at the, at the time, my, uh, my buddy Kyle and I were, we were filming together and, um, and we reached out to Strutenbuck and, and got started with you guys. And throughout that whole time period, um, 
you know, the, the production side of things kind of grew from, well, I needed a website for our TV show. So I learned how to build websites and I needed to create some marketing materials for the TV show. So, you know, I kind of taught myself how to do that stuff. And, um, you know, it kind of led to that growing and building websites for some local, you know, local small businesses and whatnot. And, um, you know, it's a, it was a, probably a 10 year process to get to the point where I was ready to leave a, um, you know, pretty, pretty great job. Um, what were, uh, what were exactly, what were exactly you doing? You were with a cell company, weren't you? Didn't yeah, you? I was with a, uh, I was with a telco company. So we had, uh, um, internet phone video, um, services and, then, and, um, didn't you manage a lot of people too? Yeah. I had a team of, uh, developers and designers and content managers, um, that were, we were all responsible for, um, our digital properties. So basically all of our, our web presence, our e-commerce solutions, um, and our, um, mobile app. So we had, you know, pretty, pretty vast array of, uh, of folks with skill sets under us that, uh, um, you know, led to, you know, driving at that digital space for, for a national company. So it was, uh, it was a pretty cool, pretty cool gig. I actually really liked what I was doing for a while. Um, cause when we, when we picked it up, um, the company, I'm not, not going to mention any names, but the company was, uh, probably a good 10, 15 years behind, um, when it came to digital marketing and, oh, yeah. um, just having an overall digital presence. So there was nothing but growth opportunity, um, both for, you know, employment and, um, actual opportunity for, for making a change in, in the, in the business. So. Yeah. How long did you do that, Cleed? Uh, seven years there. Yeah, I was there for seven years. So seven years, and you kind of used that, you said around 10 years, so you'd be used part of that as well as the three years, I guess, before that as kind of a training ground for developing your skill set to do what you do now, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I guess it's been more than 10 years, man. Has it? I've been out of school. For, yeah, I've been out of school for my 34 now so i've been out of school for 13 years so it's been about 13 years wow i like to think that i'm still only 30 so you said <laughs> I've, I've heard this i've talked with i've talked with brandon about this too he's made the comment before um about loving what he does as well and uh he's like i really like what i do but i like this <laughs> stuff better <laughs> yep. it sounds yeah, that's, like that's uh, kind of the way you were kind of yeah yeah it is it's it's a lot of the same um I liked what I was doing. Um, you know, I like managing projects. I like seeing things go from, you know, start to finish, which, which translates directly into, you know, the stuff that I'm doing. We talked about that a little bit in a bit, but, uh, I just, uh, you know, you got to a point where, um, the company kept growing and, and things were changing to, to a point where, you know, we just stopped completing projects. You know, we would yeah. spend months and months and months on, on things. And, you know, somebody higher up would say, Nope, going a different direction. And so all that work was just wasted and, and there was no personal satisfaction out of it anymore. Yeah. And you know, it was wearing on me. I mean, I, I've always kind of been a go getter when it came to the work. Um, right. and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't do anything. <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was killing me. I, it, yeah, I had to, I had to make a change. Yeah. So that process, we talked about it a little bit, but it's been since, was it around January? I think Cody was saying somewhere around in there. It's been since then, since you really took the plunge 
full time, right? To doing what you're doing yeah. now. So walk, yeah, walk actually, us. I had, go ahead. No, sorry. I, yeah, I um, it started back around in November. I had about three weeks off of work, and uh, that was really kind of the culmination of, um, you know, I got to make a change. And I started thinking about it. I didn't really talk to people about it until probably end of December, January timeframe. Um, so it was a good, you know, preparation time of three, four months. Um, just, you know, a constant you know, spreadsheet of spreadsheet of numbers and spreadsheet of goals and what, what could, you know, what could this actually look like? And is this actually sustainable? Yeah. Um, you know, cause you, you know, you get a family and everything. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's pretty nerve wracking to, well, uh, well, having a family, to walk away from that steady paycheck. Yeah. And having a family and then thinking you're going to rely on the outdoor industry. <laughs> oh, I know. That's right. what's scary, man. That can be a trip. Just that thought process. So what was it like for you though? I mean, um, I know we talked, I think it was back around January. We talked a little bit about the transition, but what, what was, what was thought process for you going through that journey? Cause I know there's a lot of people that when it, when it comes to push comes to shove and the, and the, what's the old saying where it really comes down to the, you know, you're cutting ties with a steady paycheck to, and you do have a family and support, you know, what's the mindset going through? What was your process? What were you thinking about? Um, and what was the determining factor for you to make the move? Yeah. I mean, um, so, so there's kind of two things. Um, you know, one was obviously just getting to the point where it was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I've got to make a change. Right. Um, and so on that token, you know, I had applied to a few jobs throughout the fall and, and was actually offered, offered a position, um, elsewhere. And it was just one of those things where it was like, you know what, if I take this, it's just going to be more of the same. It's another giant company. Um, I wasn't going to, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be happy. Um, and the other side of it was a lot of cards fell into place really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was very fortunate to have picked up a couple really key clients, um, in the fall time that quite frankly, the, the, the biggest one was one that I, at the time was kind of hoping they weren't going to choose me when I, when I put the bid in, <laughs> really? I was like, I was like, man, I got these hunts going on. I got work. It's full time. Like I'm just not going to have time to devote to this. And I, I didn't want to do it, you know, half heartedly for them. I, right. I wanted it to be good. And I was like, man, I, I don't know. And, um, <laughs> so, you know, I kind of convinced myself one night, you know what? Screw it. If you miss some days of hunting, it's going to be fine, which I've never really told myself before. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so, so, you know, that, that played into, you know, that particular client actually brought me two other clients before the end of the year, um, that both signed on and, um, you know, right off, right off the bat in January, I picked up a few more clients at a few, uh, few outdoor shows and, um, the other side of the puzzle, I'll be perfectly honest with you was was finances right so yeah. i mean we have we have a house we have kids you know we got to pay daycare every day um and uh we're student loans right i mean my wife's a physical therapist um we you know both of our parents were you know they did well but you know they didn't pay for our school right. um so we both you know come out of come out of college she's a doctor you know she's got six years of school to pay for and i've got a master's degree so i've got you know six years of school to pay for so yeah. You know, you got that bill that's never going to end, um, seemingly. Yeah. So, um, 
so it just, it took a little while for me to convince myself that, you know what, like these, these, um, these clients were turning in to be the right clients. Um, and <laughs> it was kind of funny if you ever seen my, see my spreadsheet, but it's just numbers on top of numbers. Like, okay, this is going to work. This is going to work. And it, it <laughs> took a lot of just staring at that to convince myself. Like the first day I put it together, I was like, Oh yeah, that's going to work. But, uh, you know, it was a good probably month before I had actually convinced myself like, all right, it's the right time. Yeah. So. It's tricky. And I, I think in our line of work, I, I set this up a little bit before you jumped on the phone, but cause we both, we, we operate in a similar space as far as marketing and all that stuff goes. And, right. and I know, I know how we look at it and I assume you have to look at it the same way. And for, for those that are out there wondering how in the world do you transition and make it work financially? Um, I assume, I assume you, you do a little bit like we do. I assume you're looking for contracts, right? To where it's, yeah. it's, it's guaranteed yeah. reliable income, yeah. whether it's for a year or whatever. Is that how you operate? Yeah, for the most part. Um, I do a lot more, um, on website, uh, design. Yeah. So website design comes with, you know, one of two things you either basically you find a client that's like, you know what, I don't want to do any of the, the, the maintenance, the SEO, the overall digital marketing strategy. I just want a new website. So right. Build me a website that I can manage. And so I'll take on those, uh, those clients, uh, quite a bit because it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good project. It's, it's over and it's done and, and the client moves on. And that's, that's, um, you know, that probably only makes up though about 30 or 40% of the, the overall workload. Right. Um, you know, the rest is, is obviously, um, like you said, is, is clients with, with contracts and, um, you know, helping them to, you know, attain their business goals. Yeah. So. It's, it's tricky getting contracts, isn't it? It, it really is. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it like, really is. We laugh about it, it really all the is. time because we can make money on just jobs here and there, but you can't plan futures and people's salaries and all that kind of thing without contracts. No. It's not, it's not safe for anybody to, I mean, no, there, there are people that do it. Um, and there may be a certain point in life in business. You can eventually, if you're turning millions and millions of dollars off side work, or I call it side work. Um, yep. that, that's one thing, but realistically, when you first dive off into any market, it's not going to be like that. And so yep, give us a little bit. I, I, I told the listeners, you've got kind of a unique dream, uh, setup because I've, I, from what I've seen outsider looking into your business, you've got kind of a niche setup with outfitters. I don't want to give away your business strategy, but <laughs> you really do have an awesome right. setup with helping grow outfitter outfitters, businesses. And, and then obviously because of that, you've got to go and get content as well. So tell us what that process has been like for you. Yeah. So, um, like I was saying earlier, I had, uh, had that TV show a couple of years ago before uh, I got hooked up with you guys and we were trying to figure out how to expand outside of, you know, we're up in New York and New York's a pretty high pressure state guys who guys who hunt here know that, you know, it's not, it's not a state where you're, I mean, hunting's not guaranteed anywhere, but it's not, it's definitely not a guarantee to, to, you know, kill your buck every year. So, right. um, so it's tough to create a TV show when you, when you're not killing animals. Right. So, yeah. Um, so we needed to get outside of there and, you know, back that who am I to walk up to an outfitter and say, Hey, I'll put you on TV. Right. Um, and so that kind of translated into what else can I provide for them? That's of value. Like I can't guarantee a TV show episode, but I can guarantee that if they have me come hunt their place, that we're going to shoot some awesome video. If we kill an animal, great. If we don't, we still got great video and content right. to, produce you know a 21st century you know 
marketing brochure for you yeah. in the form of video. Yeah. And that's kind of how it started. Uh, so that just kind of kept evolving into, like I said earlier, you know, web design and um, overall marketing strategies. Um, and that's kind of been, that's kind of been a little bit of a niche for me. Yeah. Um, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's um, an awesome niche. So, you've really yeah. and, and you've you've really, from what I can tell, like the the the, the place you go and some of our crews been out there with you to Newfoundland. Um, you've really helped grow their business and and it's exploded, hadn't it, in the last few years? From what I can tell. Yeah, yeah, it has um, you know they had a transition in ownership about six years ago, and that was the same year that uh, that I started doing this stuff. And we got hooked up at the Harrisburg Sportsman Show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that year, I think they had 12 clients in camp. And last year, they had, they get 86 tags. It's a different type of system up there. They get 86 tags to sell as an outfitter. And all 86 were sold last year. So, um, all 86 were sold. And they were, at the time of the season, they were 75% booked for this year. Wow. So, you know, in combination with, you know, great management staff there and, and, you know, the vision for what they truly had to, had to offer clients coming up there, you know, they had us on the marketing side, you know, actually creating videos of of the experience, which, you know, as far as I'm concerned, like you can't, you can't beat that. Right. You know, pictures, pictures tell a thousand words, videos tell about a hundred thousand, you know? Yeah, I've always told people the only thing better than telling a story, showing it, and that's what that's mm-hmm. what video allows you to do. Have you felt like that's been a that portfolio has been a great you know stepping stone as far as credibility with other um, outfitters that you've worked with? It has, it has, and I I use it as a um, I use it as a case study when I when I talk to people. Um, you know, they were a little different in that they were you know, basically starting from scratch. So the growth percentages are, uh, right. you know, they're a little skewed in that respect, but at the same time, um, you know, we've had that same success with, with a number of other outfitters that have worked with in the past, you know, big outfitters in, in Illinois that you know, had a downslope in client bookings. You know, we came in, we shot some videos, we compiled videos from, you know, they've had 10, 12 different, you know, big name TV shows there over the past 10 years they sent us all their footage and we put together some highlight reels for them and, and kind of told their story in a different manner Yeah, and booking shot right back up for them. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, I, I would, I would fully attribute that to, you know, some of the stuff that we were doing. So it's, it was cool. I, I, I'm definitely not a pioneer by any means on the, on the concept. It's just, it's something that wasn't being done in our space. Yeah. You well, know? and you've done a great job with that. That's what I'm, I'm looking for. I'm just listening to you talk you know, on this podcast and you talk about over 10 years of developing a skill set and now transitioning in the last year or so into truly living your passion and driving your own life. And it's, it's, there's a lot of process that's went on there. It didn't just happen overnight. And, um, I think, I think you'd attest to that. It's, it's a process. It's a, I tell everybody it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You're going to, you're going to yeah. drown out quick if you think this is going to happen overnight. But yeah. in saying that, it's not to say it can't be done either. And, um, it's a, it's a fun process, but it's a roller coaster ride for sure. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's a, it's a testament to the fact that you can do anything if you put your mind to it. You know, you guys have both told your stories. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Cody was saying, you know, he, he started building websites cause his church needed one. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff like that. 
for the same reason that I started building websites. Like I needed one and yeah. I wasn't going to pay some, I didn't have the money to pay somebody to do <laughs> yeah. it. Right. So like, same way, you yeah. know, it's, it, um, it's all self-taught. I mean, I got a, I got a degree in math and economics and a management degree in or a business degree, you know, in management, just managing people. And, yeah. and it's like, you know, that has no tie to, um, the things that, the things that we do. I yeah. mean, you guys are, you guys are the same way. And I, yeah. I think that was, you know, that was obviously one of the things that kind of drew, you know, us to, to you guys to start filming together for, yeah. uh, for Struttenbach. Yeah. It's an interesting journey, man. It really is. And and when I look at the root of what is, has drove your success, it's, it's really, um, work ethic and, and the ability to problem solve. Like, just like you're talking about going into these outfitters and you didn't just go there to hunt. Mm-hmm. But you went in there looking, how do I add value beyond, beyond that, even if we don't harvest an animal, you know? Right. And, uh, and, and then what, what would you say? I'm, I'm just curious. What would you say? Because I have my theory on, on what I'm about to ask you, but because it, it's not just marketing that helps make like, we can use these out, let's use Newfoundland for an example. It's not just marketing that makes them successful. What are some other things you would attribute to uh, the success of that? Because you're not just selling just some $500 tags over there. When you're talking about selling 86 tags or whatever, a lot of these are pretty expensive tags, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, a moose tag is close to 6,000 us. And, um, you know, they have, uh, woodland caribou for, for people that don't know about it. Woodland caribou is, you can only hunt woodland caribou on the Island of Newfoundland. Yeah. And, um, the numbers down there for the tag numbers are down. There's only 214 non-resident, um, woodland caribou tags given to outfitters in the world. Um, right. In, in, yeah, in the world, that's the only place you can hunt. Oh, wow. You Crazy. Can hunt woodland yeah. caribou. And so, um, those tag prices are, are venturing in the, you know, we upped prices last year into the $14,000 range, but we're still on the lower end of, uh, of what, um, the other outfitters are in the island. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're talking 14, $18,000 tags. Yeah. Just to go hunt, just to go hunt woodland caribou. And wow. that's, uh, I mean, it's a, I, I was fortunate enough to, you know, it took five years for, for us to get a tag last year. Um, but I was fortunate enough to be able to, to kill a great one last year. And yeah, it, you it, did. Was, it was a pretty cool experience. You know, we had seen them every year and wanting to hunt them, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's just one of those things, <clears throat> you know, you, you add, <laughs> you, you bring, bring that level of, you know, um, uh, uh, just serving their company really yeah. trying to help yeah. them yeah yeah and 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 for them to see that um see that value and repay you like that it was just you know it was it was pretty awesome yeah i want to jump back to that hunt a little bit more in depth here in just a sec but what would, what are some things that you would attribute to the success of of their company is it obviously having the animals um is it like for me, I'll give you yeah, an example. So, like for me with marketing, I, I feel like I tell people this all the time. It's not just marketing. I feel like there's um, there's three phases of it. There's there's obviously marketing, but marketing mm-hmm. marketing is no good without distribution of whatever it is you have to market. And then yeah, what you're absolutely. distributing is not worth the crap either if you don't yep. have boots on the ground helping sell the product. There's there's multiple factors that, that create that success. What have you found that, that's really helping create success on the outfitter side of things? Yeah. So it's been, you're absolutely right. Um, and you, if you don't have a good product and so, you know, in this case, that product is the quality of the animals, the quantity of the animals and the overall experience. If you don't have good products to sell,
sell. I mean, you can market the hell out of it, but. And it may work for a while, here, but, but it's not sustainable. Yeah, people yeah. are going to, people are going to figure out that it's, it's just not, it's just not there, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that's part of, that was part of it with these guys, just, you know, Newfoundland in particular, um, you know, they had uh, the first year that we set foot there and we started looking around and we're like, man, I'm looking at other outfitters and guys are killing, you know, a couple bulls that have, you know, big, big plates on them and, you know, they're in the mid forties to 50 inch range. There's like two or three that they're killing and everybody else is, you know, and then the rest of their animals are like spikes and six points and, you know, just small, small moose. Yeah. And then you, then you look at the, the animals that were coming out of here. And I was like, man, we killed 12 animals this year, but all 12 were 50 inch bolts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I seen a dozen bulls that weren't any of the 12 that got shot that were that big too. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, this place is like a diamond in the rough. Nobody knows about it. And so that was, that was a, uh, that's kind of one of the things that led me to keep pushing with them to do what we were doing. And, and they saw it and they knew it. And then the other side of it is, you know, a good management team on that side, you know, the, the owners, the owner or the, the operator and manager at the time, he, you know, he had a vision and he knew what needed to be done. And I'll never forget one of the things he said to me because it was the first client, actually the first client I ever had that actually recognized the value in a marketing strategy. Yeah. Um, and he said, you know, he said, when things start getting good, everybody wants to quit marketing. Let's take the money away and put it somewhere else or let's <laughs> yes. keep the money. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to double that budget and we're going to market harder. <laughs> and I'm like, finally, somebody gets it. You know? I'm like, man. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So. So it's kind of a combination of, you know, having the product and then, you know, the client, the client themselves. I mean, you pair somebody that has a similar value set to what you have, you know, you know what you can do from your business perspective, but if you get a client that just doesn't have the drive to run their business and the way that you think, you know, it needs to be run, even if you don't agree entirely, you got to have some type of value set that that meshes. So yeah, for sure. um, I would say that those are probably, probably the key factors. And, And I've been fortunate enough to, I would say nine out of 10 clients that I've had, we've meshed on that, on that. So that's, that's helping to drive success there, obviously. Yeah. That's awesome. So take us back. Okay. So we've got, obviously I would say the majority of our listening audience is probably diehard whitetail hunters, turkey hunting. What would you tell somebody or to this audience that's, that's never experienced what you're talking about in Newfoundland? Uh, the woodland caribou, the moose. I know our crew's been with you the last couple of years, and I've heard the stories from Brandon and Matt. And but what would you tell somebody that's this never never thought about you know getting outside of their comfort zone with whitetails and turkeys to try something like um, caribou or, or moose or whatever? Yeah. So so first off, um, you know I'm not going to lie; these are expensive hunts, right? Like, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> well, and then you you've got to be honest, right? So you yeah. got to you got to set you got to set an expectation. They're expensive hunts. And so there's other opportunities for moose hunting, um, across North America. Right. Um, but the reality is you've either got to draw a lottery tag, um, and you can do it, you know, fairly cost efficient if you draw a tag. Um, and that's in states like New Hampshire, Maine. Um, there's some, there's some Western states for Shiras moose that, that are draw systems and whatnot. Um, and it's fairly cost efficient. Um, but when you get, when you get 
to a point where you're like, you know what? I want to go on a moose hunt. I want to go on a caribou hunt. Um, yeah. The biggest thing I can tell you is to do your research and talk to people. Yeah. Um, talk to talk to hunters that have been there. Um, as far as the experience goes, I I said this in uh, the episode where I finally did kill my moose with a bow a couple of years ago. But um, yeah, I thought I honestly thought that I would just kill a moose and then be like, all right, let's go let's go hunt something else. And I got, I got hooked. And I think a lot of it was the spot and stock aspect. It's so yeah. different than, than turkey hunting and deer hunting. Um, and where you're just sitting you get, and waiting or. Yeah. Yeah. And you get, you get that big bull coming to a call and he's just, you know, every step he's running the whole way in. It, there's nothing like it. <laughs> I, remember, so cool. I remember Brandon yeah. was like, dude, these things are like, you see them on TV and it's one thing, but when you get over there, he's like, it's like a dinosaur yeah. is coming at you. <laughs> yeah. They are, they are so big. Yeah. He got to see some, he got to see some real good ones. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the first day of our trip this year, I was, I was sick and I didn't hunt and they, they called in like a, like one that probably would have been one of the biggest bulls taken, um, in the last five years there. Wow. Um, they didn't get any video of it. He came in the wrong side, but from what they said and what the guys told me afterwards when they got back, I was like, man, that it sounds like, it sounds like one of the real big ones. So yeah. they, they got to see it, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, you know, and then you, you know, you just, you don't know until you experience it. And it sounds, you know, people are like, Oh, I don't want to hunt with outfitters. I want to do do it yourself. You can do do it yourself places. Uh, Newfoundland is actually a law. Like if you're going into the non resident, you can't hunt publicly. Like you, you have to really? purchase a tag through an outfitter and you have to be with a licensed guide. Yeah. Um, there's no if, ands or buts about it. Like that is your only option. If you want to hunt on the island of Newfoundland. But even with a guy, I've I've seen a lot of the footage. It's not like you're just walking out there and and shooting an animal. No, you guys are no, working your tails off. Not at all. Yeah, we're we're walking anywhere from five to fifteen miles a day. Um, you know, walking ridges and, and glassing from high points, and you know, it's a little bit. I hate to say it's easier, but it's a little bit easier when the when the call is on because they'll actually come right out of the woods and into the openings, into the bogs, and and you'll be able to see them and then make a you know make a decision on how to how to stalk them, but you know, I probably blew, I probably blew a dozen stalks before I killed my first moose. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, I've heard, I've heard people say that about like mule deer too, like mule deer and antelope. Like if you can, if you can stalk a mule deer and antelope, like you're accomplishing something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of feel that way about, about moose and caribou are a little easier. They're kind of dumb. Like I've, for the first three years we were there, I would just walk up to them because I didn't care about you know, scaring them. You weren't trying to hunt them either. Up to them, trying to get it exactly. <laughs> I was just trying to get as close as I could to take pictures and shoot video. You know, yeah. Um, they're kind of dumb. I mean, I had I was wearing some sticky gear a couple of years ago, the lighter colored stuff, and they like they think it's like it almost looks like, like their color. They think you're another caribou. Oh yeah. Wow. Like here I am carrying a carrying a camera across the bog, and they're like walking at me. Yeah. I'm like, man, am I going to get charged by this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know eventually I'm hoping to get over there someday. I, I'm assuming it's like, I, I don't know, I've, I can kind of compare it to like some mission trips and things that I've been on in, in previous years where you're so far from home and you're in such a remote mm-hmm. place that there's just something yeah. that happens when you're over there in, in nature like that, away from cell phones and service. And mm-hmm. although there's, and there's probably a certain, you know, a certain um, side of risk to it as well. And maybe that's part of the experience. I don't know. Um, speaking of risk, I wasn't even planning on going here on this podcast, but 
You're the first person we, you've ever. You're gonna make me get. You're gonna make me talk about it, aren't you? You're, you're the first person we've ever had um, on a podcast that has been bitten by a black bear. <laughs> 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 I just remembered that. To, yeah, so I had to bring had to he, bring that up. He was waiting for it. <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't. I just thought about it because I was remembering. Oh no, I'm saying Cleed knew you. Oh were yeah, Cleed. Yeah, Cleed knew where I was going. Well, we haven't showed any of this yet. I don't. I don't guess you have either. Have you on your side? No, I haven't. Dude, I haven't. I've actually this, I've kept it. I've kept it under wraps. This footage, <laughs> if it ever comes out, I've already got a trailer in mind for it, Cleed. You probably do too. But it, it's an epic trailer in my mind. It, uh, oh yeah, it's like a daggum horror movie, dude. Because it's yeah. going black out, and you hear Cleed screaming in the background, and yep. it's. Uh, I, I was just reminded of it because I remember somebody was it. What was it? Two years ago, or was it a year ago? Was it last year? I no, can't, two. Two, two years, years ago, because I remember somebody was yeah. like. Dude, I don't know if Cleed's going to be able to go to Newfoundland or whatever. I'm like, why not? And he's like, we got bit by a bear. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> a bear? Yep. Like, that's, I can't remember if it was Brandon or Matt. I can't remember who called me and told me. And I was like. It was, was yeah, it? it was probably Matt because that was the year he came with me. Yeah. But I remember yeah. I was like, it, it took a sec to sink in. I was like, wait a minute. What do you mean he got bit by a bear? Like, that's not something. <laughs> like, there, that could mean a lot of different things. Did he get a- eaten yeah. by a bear? <laughs> Is he alive? Did yeah, he lose right. a limb? <laughs> you know? And, uh, so, give us, don't give us the, the gruesome side of it, but what was that, that experience like for you? So, it was, uh, it was interesting. So, <laughs> um, guys, guys who don't know much about, about bear hunting and bear hunting with hounds, um, you know, hound, houndsmanship goes, goes back, you know, centuries. Yeah. Um, and there's not many places left that, uh, that allow it, you know, antis have, have kind of got us to a point where, you know, that it's very tough to, to come by, you know, states or, or provinces, you know, anywhere where it's legal to, uh, to run animals with dogs. And, um, you know, Maine is one of those states and I, I'm working with a client up there. Um, and so he, uh, he sold the business and he called me and he said, Hey, if you want to hunt, together that's probably going to be my last year um and i had already hunted with him a few times i killed a bear with a bow um with the dogs uh with him a few years before and um he called me to come up so so we went up and he says you know what do you want to do and at this point i killed uh four three or four black bears by then um and you know i like the meat it's not my favorite i'm not overly like intent on hunting bears um all the time i i, I like to do it but it's not like a it's not right. a passion like like whitetail hunting and turkey hunting and, right. and and going moose hunting and stuff is for me um and so i was like all right so here's the deal i and it this sounds this sounds really bad because i'm i'm absolutely not a trophy hunter but i wanted a really nice bear rug right. um you know my parents have a beautiful post and beam house and i wanted to get them a bear rug for their house um, it would have looked beautiful in there, you know, and then obviously we would, we would eat the meat and everything. But right. so I said, listen, I'm looking for a good bear that's got a good coat on it. And fortunately up there, they also like their, their dog season overlaps with their bait season. And so we're able to actually look at trail cameras, decide which bear was there last and determine whether or not we want to run. Because typically a dog will pick up the hottest track, which would be the bear that was most recently there. And so the morning that, uh, that I hunted, we killed a bear the day before with my buddy who had never shot a bear before. And, um, that was a great hunt, um, bear crossed the, crossed the logging road, you know, so we got really awesome footage of it. And, um, and he was able to get, you know, take his first bear. And, uh, 
So we roll up to this bait. It's just getting light out. We look at the look at the camera, and this bear has a head that goes from his nose is on the ground, and his ears are at like the top of a fifty-five gallon drum barrel, tipped up on its side. So it's about like twenty some inches in length, 23, 24 inches in length, like nose to ear, right? Mm-hmm. So this thing's huge, and we're like, all right, let's run it. So we put the dogs on it, and it took a little while to get going, and, and we come around the corner um, after the, the dogs had it treed, and um, we come around the corner, and we're like, oh, man, like it must have been that big sow that we'd seen on the camera an hour or two before him because he was way up a tree. We have this huge pine tree, and big bears, for those that, you know, have never done this before. Big bears typically don't climb trees. Um, they'll stay on the ground. They'll back themselves into a kind of a corner in woods and right. um, and whatnot. So uh, this particular bear ran up a tree. We're like, all right, well, let's get under it and see see what it is. So we get up, we get under him, and we're looking. We're looking in the binoculars to see what he is. Now you can blatantly tell it's the big boar that, uh, that we thought it was. So the only shot I had was... Um, you know, probably 20, 30 feet back from the base of the tree. And he's maybe a hundred feet up this huge pine tree. And I'm, I mean, we're talking, you know, five, six, seven, 800 year old forest here. So we're talking pine trees that like you couldn't possibly like fit All right. your arms around. I mean, so he's way up there and, um, I'm hunting with a gun. So I'm using a shotgun. And so I take two shots and both shots are perfectly placed, you know, in the vitals. Um, and he starts to fall. And I take a third shot. Now I'm out of bullets. I, I was using a 12-gauge with big, heavy slugs um, that had a duck plug in it. So I only had three shells in So I back up another 20, 30 feet, and this bear starts to fall. And he hits a branch and just tumbles and lands at my feet. <laughs> and, and he's not and completely so our, dead yet, right? He's not completely dead. He maybe had he maybe had another 30 seconds of life left. Of, like, maybe. Mm. Um, and so... I turned to get out of the way and I fell and I thought I had tripped over something. And like, mind you, we have two cameras rolling. Like Kyle's right over my head. My buddy Chad's off, off to the side, like 30 yards filming. They're about to film your deaths. Yeah. They're about to film my death. (laughs) Kyle throws, I got $6,000 camera sitting there. Kyle throws it. Right. So this thing is buried in the mud. Like just throws it. And he's like, I don't even know why I threw the camera. Cause it's not like I had a gun or anything right? Like, or how I was going to help in this situation. But, um, so he throws the camera and Chad doesn't know what's going on. So he's filming the whole thing. So that's how we, that's how we get all the video of it. Basically is he doesn't know what's happening. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. He so thought the it was normal. Hit the ground. Yeah. He thought it was normal. <laughs> he actually thought me screaming was the bear death moaning, <laughs> which is, which is just, it's just bad to think about. So oh, it was yeah. funny. Cause I thought, I thought the bear just landed and grabbed my foot because I've seen bears when they come out of a tree, they just grab something as right. they're dying with their mouth. Right. And they just bite a tree. Um, so that's what I thought happened. We watched the video back later and we were all kind of like our jaws all hit the floor because the, the bear hits the ground and he literally got up and, you know, luckily one of my shots went through his spine and took out his back legs. So he had no back legs, but he, when he hit the ground, he got up and lunged at me and that's what actually ripped my pants, cut my back leg. Like I didn't even know I had scratches on the back of my leg and knocked me over and the guide stepped in and was able to get four shots. And luckily the guide was smart enough to realize that, you know, and then, you know, with it enough to realize that the, uh, um, you know, my foot was in the bear's mouth. So it's not like he could you know, shoot it and 
<laughs> and I had to, to end it quicker. <laughs> right. um, so he, you know, he shot the bear four times. Golly. Um, and he finally, finally let go of my foot. The whole thing lasted seven seconds. Oh my. That's how long the video is from the time he started to come out of the tree to the time that I was back away and the guide was yelling at me, asking me if he bit me. Yeah. Seven he, seconds. He bit and through I remember and every, didn't he? Oh yeah. He bit through my boot, through my, through both boots. Actually, he had my, my right foot in his mouth and I was kicking him with my left foot and somehow, somehow he bit my left foot in amongst that. Golly. So, Do you even remember yeah, was, that seven seconds? Really? I do actually. I remember every <laughs> second of it. And it, it's funny because, so I screamed like three or four times. You can hear it on the video. You hear me screaming. And then I stopped screaming. I composed myself, grabbed the gun, sat up and started hitting this bear in the head with the butt of the gun, which is just stupid because it was like, it was some, it was, it was Chad's gun. And it's like a, some, I know nothing about shotguns. Clearly I'm a bow hunter, but, um, it was, it was some like a duck gun that has this big, like rubber pad on the back. Yeah. So afterwards I'm like thinking about, it, I'm like, wow, that did a lot of good. I'm just beating it with a, you know, rubber mallet. Like, you know, Cleve, yeah, you're supposed to play anything. dead when a bear's attacking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had, I, clearly that, that was going through my mind. <laughs> Actually the, the biggest fear of the entire thing was I was worried that he was going to land on me. So this bear was 500 pounds. Um, his skull is just under 21 inches, which wow. is a, which is a huge black bear, oh, yeah. um, especially for East Coast. Um, East Coast bears did not get like that big. Yeah. He had no fat on him, and he still weighed almost 500 pounds. Wow. Golly. So he, yeah, he was he was he was an awesome bear. I have uh, I have a full mount done. I did not do the rug like I thought I was going to. And, you had to um, with that story. Yeah, I had to, and everybody wanted me to put the boot in his mouth, but I just <laughs> I do still have those boots, though. I should send them back to lacrosse and see yeah, if they'll, see if they'll plug the holes for me. That's like really going the Hall of Fame of bear hunting or something. Yeah. The boots should right. talk yeah. about the post. Uh, talk about the post because uh, I remember we posted a picture not too long after that. I don't know if it was you in the ER or what. Yep, but. Yeah. There was so much hate, man, even from hunters, uh, non-hunters, yeah. obviously, the antis. Yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, it's too bad to see it from the hunters, yeah. from the hunting side of really things. Because I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm very much so, like, if it's legal, like, let's do it. Yeah. You know. Well, even fun, that hunt, legal, too. That it, hunt's you know? all about the dogs, isn't it? That I mean, hunt is entirely about the dogs. Yeah. Like, that, the sh- you shooting and posing in a picture with a bear that has nothing to do with that hunt that hunt is entirely about the experience of the dogs and listening to them yeah like i I, i'll be honest the first time i did it i didn't want to do it yeah i i didn't want to i had a i had a preconceived notion that it was just not hunting and that was so far from the truth that you know i very much very much so and that it was probably that experience that that did this to me it really pushed me over the edge that like until you experience it, like you don't get to make a yeah. make a judgment about it. But yeah, it was kind of crazy to see the hunting community step in. Um, you know, there were so many people that were obviously, you know, supportive of a recovery from that. Um, and we didn't talk about that, but I had, you know, probably a dozen stitches and half a dozen or more staples. Um, quite a bit of. But you had a foot left. So that's the good news. I had a foot. I had a foot left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it was, all, it was all good, but. Yeah. So long story short, um, yeah, they, uh, the, you know, the people that, that stepped into that. And honestly, I kind of, I expected it just knowing the way that social media was rolling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and has been rolling over the past few years. But you know, the people that were like, oh, you know, I wish I wish to bury them yeah. entirely. Like it was <laughs> it was kind of sad to see, you know, like yeah, it really is. that people would people would truly wish like wish that on somebody. And I I, I think the keyboard just takes away, you know, yeah. true compassion and true true humanity. Like, yeah. I haven't looked at insights and stats, but I'm going to guess that's probably one of our most engaging posts ever. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny is I just had that discussion. I think Matt had told me that was, that had reached over like a million people in yeah, like 24 crazy. hours. Yeah. It's crazy. I had a discussion with a buddy who posted a video of a tornado that hit their house in, uh, in Kansas a couple of days ago. And he, he said that his video post would hit over a million. I was like, yeah, I haven't seen one do that since my, uh, it's the bear. It's that bear one. Yeah. It's interesting. It seems like it's always controversial stuff mm-hmm. that, that's what mm-hmm. draws traffic and draws the haters or whatever. But it's also cool to see the support, too. You obviously had a lot of support yeah. as well. Um, yep. But yep. that's insane, man. That's an incredible story. And, and we've yeah. got to get a film put together on that thing because it will be an epic film that – Right. That not that you're not on the map already, but you'll be on the map once that baby airs. <laughs> Just because the story's so incredible. But I've I've thought about because you know initially initially we thought about not doing anything with it, but the more we talked about it and and we're going to is the story of the dogs and as and part of of the history of hunting. It's always there's I mean I killed my first deer ever in my life as a kid um, in front of dogs, blue tick oh, hounds nice. in South Arkansas. That's all we had. That's all yep. I knew of. Is we ran dogs. Um, now, I don't like dogs running now when I'm bow hunting, <laughs> oh, no. but my point was those, those hunts were all about the dogs as well. And this is the same mm-hmm. type deal that it's, it's, there's not a ton of it. It doesn't seem like it goes on. Um, but it's always been there and I think it could be yep. a really cool story, um, that it is a part of hunting still and dogs want to hunt yeah. too, you know? Yep, so. Absolutely. <clears throat> Well, part of living your passion, Cleet, is um, putting yourself at risk. You did a good yeah. job of doing that. <laughs> appreciate <laughs> yeah, the right. way to go. <laughs> appreciate you giving us that <laughs> <Yeah>. content today. <laughs> yeah, right. That's you know, insane, I made a comment man. to my wife a couple of days ago that I wanted to go. Uh, I wanted to go out, you know, somewhere, somewhere north in Canada, you know, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and and hunt, you know, hunt a bear over bait um, in the springtime. And my wife's like, nope. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask bear. what the what the family was. It a pretty traumatizing for them. What went down? Well, I called, so, so it was kind of funny because so we got out of the woods. I walk about six seven hundred yards out, and it was funny because Jed and Kyle, you know, convinced me to do you know you know TV show episodes, convinced me to do a, a closeout interview, right? Which I don't even remember doing. Um, and we took pictures, like literally, I posed for pictures as I should have been, like you know, heading to the ER, right. um, sitting there getting pictures taken. It was, it was kind of dumb, but <laughs> we got out and I called my dad. I did not call my wife until after I was out of the ER. Um, <laughs> and I knew what was actually happening. Cause I was like, there's no way I'm calling her. She was, she was pregnant at the time actually with my, uh, oh, wow. with my son. Yeah. She was pregnant with my son. So I was like, man, I, I'm not, I'm not calling her. You know, she's at home with our, our two year old daughter and I and pregnant with my son. I'm like there's no way I'm calling and adding to that stress until I know exactly what's happening. Right. Yeah. I don't Because at that point we hadn't even taken my boot off. I mean we knew it was bad that I had to go to the hospital, but we didn't know, hadn't know how bad it. it was. Yeah. No. I was able to walk, so no broken bones or anything. So Wow. Pretty fortunate. Good I was able to get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah looking at the big picture, you're probably very fortunate even have a, have a leg probably yeah. could have been taken off yeah, it was, one snap it was about three feet away from being real bad yeah well we're glad you're around buddy 
Me too. Glad you're here to tell the story anyway. What a, what a crazy story. Yeah. That'll be, Hey, that'll be one to tell your grandkids one day, and they'll For be sure. like, really, Grandpa? You can be like, dude, here's the footage. <laughs> only, thing right. better, only thing better than telling it, showing it. <laughs> exactly. And then your grandkids exactly. never want to bear hunt again. So, oh, yeah. No. Well, man, we appreciate you taking a few minutes and jumping on the call with us today. We've been talking about doing this for a while. And, uh, oh, I know. I, I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, hey, man. Great. Cleed, before you go, he told me you have a killer southern accent. <laughs> killer southern accent? Yeah, he oh, said my. you could talk like a southerner really well. I said he's coming around. <laughs> we want to hear I'm coming it. Coming around. we got to have some entertainment on this podcast <laughs> as me, if the bear me, wasn't enough. <laughs> right? you got to give me something to say. Um, let's see. New York, New York City. <laughs> New York City. <laughs> New York. I tell City. you, man, it's interesting the perception from Southerners because nobody thinks about hunting hunters in New York. Like it never even crosses people's mind down here that people hunt. Oh, I know. There's in a, New York. There's a whole state about three quarters the size of freaking Texas, yeah. north of New York City. It is. I've drove most <laughs> it of it. It's just as rural, and it is beautiful, man. It's that old saying: oh, take, is, take yeah. New York City out of New York. It's a beautiful state, and it really is. It's it, gorgeous. It really is. Yep. It really is. Is land hard to come by there? Is it high in the rural rural part uh, of New York? It's it depends on the area. Um, it goes anywhere from you know eight nine hundred dollars an acre up to two three thousand an acre. So that's about like it is um, here then. Yeah, a lot of it depends on the tract and and what what has already been sold off in terms of like mineral rights. Oh yeah, wetland preservation and whatnot. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, buddy, we won't keep you no longer. I know you got work to do, I'm sure. So we do too. So we're going to jump off here. But I appreciate you taking the time and jumping on here with us, man. We'll talk talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. You guys have a good day. All right. You too, Cleed. Later. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff from my man, Cleed. That is pretty cool. I completely had forgot about how do you forget about that. But when we initially decided to call Cleed, that was not on the radar. Yeah. But I, thought, I think he thought it was on the radar. No, it really wasn't. I promise, Cleed, that was not on the radar <laughs> until we got to talking about Newfie. And uh, then I thought about it. That's but crazy. It is a crazy story. And if that film comes out, it's going to be epic. Like, it's it's killer stuff. I don't literally. think I've seen that footage. I've seen it, and it's brutal. Wow. Like, it's... Uh, it's, it's it could be a great movie he might want to clean you might want to sell the rights to hollywood to your story or something because it's like pretty legit but well cool well he's a he's a uh he's a great example man of somebody that is put in the time yeah i think that's what i liked the, the most about his story was he knew he wanted to do something else yeah you know even though he was loving what he was doing yeah he, he knew he wanted to do something else that he loved and yeah. he Ran the numbers, so to speak. I mean, he said that probably 12 times. Yeah. There were numbers on number, But he really, it was a calculated risk that he took getting himself in, setting himself up to be able to get into what he wanted to yeah. do full time. And he cleads, cleads great, too, about obviously the details, but asking a lot. I mean, when we talked in January, that was part of what he called about was just looking to see if there was anything he hasn't seen mm. that could affect him that he doesn't know about from somebody that had already kind of take, been down that path, you know. Right. And I think so that's something else we can take away from it, you know, is, is not only being detailed and running numbers, but, but doing the research <clears throat> yeah, and looking for what you don't know. Yeah. And just, I think that makes you feel good. Cause I remember when I came in to the podcast, I think you guys had done like three episodes for it, something like that. And yeah. um, you said, dude, what are we going to do if people just start quitting their jobs? <laughs> 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 well, I'd gotten, we'd gotten several messages. <clears throat> Cleed was one of them. Um, and obviously we're not 
taking credit for them quitting their jobs and, and living right. their dream now. But it was in the time frame of when we had started and we had been talking with some of these people and it was kind of, it became real. Yeah. The power of the podcast because people were starting to message yeah. and being like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going here. Yeah. And we were like, oh crap, people are really, but the flip side of that is that there's, you know, the, the greater, the, the old saying, the greater the risk, the greater reward. There's a lot of truth in that. Um, but I would, I would add to that, that calculated risks are way, way better than just diving off in with both feet, you know, mm-hmm. and Cleet has done a phenomenal job of that. And his business, um, illustrates that, that it is successful now because he took the right steps prior to taking that leap of faith. Yeah. And then it, it doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. And Cleed, right. but Cleed would tell you that too. There's ups and downs. I've got several other people I'm talking to right now. They're still in the process of transitioning. They've got one foot in, living their passion at night after hours, right? And and still working their day jobs, you know. Yeah. And so there's a process to get through it. And Cleed did that. We've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, if you if you do it the right way and and try to do it smart, yeah, there's a good chance you can be successful. Yeah. You know, you got to determine what successful means for you. Numbers, numbers do have a little bit to do with that mm-hmm. to a certain extent, you know, but at the same time, numbers aren't everything. Um, and I, I know I feel that way. I know you feel that way. I would much rather be doing something I absolutely love every day than making millions doing something I hate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we'd have good weekends and it'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'd rather enjoy seven days a week than I would too. Yeah. You know, doing something I really love and growing something and being part of a team. And so I encourage you guys, man, reach out to Cleed if you're in, a, especially if you're an outfitter. Um, mm. He's he's got a good hookup with with driving traffic to websites and that sort of thing. Not to mention he's got great values and he's a good dude, even though he is from New York City. <laughs> New York City. But anyway, Cody, you got anything else, man? We need to wrap this thing up. No, man, I think it's really good. And I think really the kind of the the whole thing about the Tour 12 podcast is just to remind people that what you want to do can be accomplished. You know, like we hear these stories all the time. You read these reviews. Of, I think it was a couple of weeks ago you read a review about a guy who said, you know what, I just want to get outside and start yeah, power walking. He did, you know, like and he's doing it. People can, you know, live their passions. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's really what we want to help people understand. Yeah. It can be done. It can be done. And I love hearing the stories. So that's a real life, true story right there from New York City. Cleed Spooner. It's been a good one, Cody. I've enjoyed it, man. Let's tap out. I'm ready to tap out. We got work to do. Got a lot of things going on. All right. Hope you guys have a great day. Thanks for listening. This has been the Tour 12 Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Peace out and God bless. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Listen, if you're enjoying what you're hearing here on the podcast, do us a favor, a huge favor. Go online, go to iTunes, jump on your podcast app, and give us a review. This is why it's important. All throughout the year this year, we're going to be giving away products, hats, T-shirts, things from our sponsors. And the only way you can be registered to win those products is by going in and giving us a review. We'll be giving those out on a monthly basis and we want you to be involved in what's going on with free stuff we know everybody likes free stuff i'll be honest we enjoy free stuff and we want to share part of that with our listeners listen guys we can't tell you how much we appreciate you listening to the content we're putting out you're not only a part of the tour you're part of the family and we're building a tribe that's willing to go where only few dream about living our passion i am jay heath graham and i thank you for being a part of the tour 12 podcast